everyone. Welcome back to Getting to Know You. Uh, our guest this week is St. Sebastian's parishioner uh, and mother and uh, all-around awesome person, uh, Ann Novotny. Ann, how are you? I'm well, John. Thank you. How are you? I I'm good. Ann, uh, Ann is a super awesome person, and I meant to say that because when we were talking before she uh, expressed, she's like, what, what do I have to share? I said, oh, you have plenty to share. So <laughs> I'm excited to talk to you today. Thank you. I hope that you're right. <laughs> <laughs> we're good. We're good. I'm excited. All right. Um, and I'm just going to start and get right into it. My first question for you is, uh, uh, tell us, if people don't know you, tell us about you. Uh, well, I grew up in Wauwatosa and uh, went to St. Joe's in Wauwatosa. And actually, my first experiences with St. Sebastian were in grade school playing probably basketball only against probably St. Sebastian's back in the 1970s. So um, uh, that's, you know, I have gone to, you know, private school, forever Catholic school. I'm a social worker. Um, I've always worked with children and families. Most recently, I am really just training foster parents. Um, I used to travel around the country doing the trainings and, um, then I started taking my job home with me and started fostering myself. So I wasn't able to go away um, quite as often or really ever. <laughs> so let me interrupt you. I have like several yeah. questions already. Uh, you, so you traveled all over the country training foster parents? I initially I was training on what's called the wraparound philosophy. And it's really just a philosophy of care with families um, who have children. Can you talk? About so, pardon? Can you talk about that for a second? Sure. I went, um, my, one of my dearest friends in the whole world, she and I were training partners. And so we, um, would, uh, they would request the two of us together and we traveled and we trained, um, different cohorts, social work cities and counties and groups in different counties and different States. And it would be a multiple stop. You'd go in maybe four or five times for a few days each time training on working with families, on um, working in a way that unfortunately was somewhat new to social work. And it was in a way that was talking about respect for everyone, um, letting everyone have a voice, um, not just the professionals, not just the people who hold, hold titles. And so we traveled, I mean, from coast to coast and, um, did a lot of training, had a blast. They loved it when we came because we would always share a room and that way we didn't have to, you know, be bored. So it was a lot of fun as yeah. much as it was um, uh, a philosophy I strongly believe in. So, and, and then, um, and then you, as you said, started taking your work home. What, what changed? Why did you start doing that? Well, I worked um, with families, children and families when I wasn't training. And um, I was a little, I guess, um, I guess disturbed by a lot of the foster homes I was going into. Mm. And I knew that I was taking kids out of homes and this is probably the lowest point in their families' lives for so many of them. Yeah. And I was, I was going then to see them in homes that were, um, homes quite frankly, that at that point I had a dog that I wouldn't want him to be in. So I, you know, tried to figure out what I could do, how to do it. So I thought, all right, I'll start fostering. 
completely 1000% with the intent of doing it for a few months. That was 25 years ago. So <laughs> it wasn't my plan, but, um, so I, that's what made me start fostering. I wanted to see why it seemed to be so difficult since I've started. There have been tremendous changes, um, which is good. And not just because of me at all, because our state actually was sued by the state of New York children's coalition, because we did such a poor job of fostering. Wow. Um, and that's when I got into it. So um, it was neat to be able to be on these committees and be a part of what needs to change. Um, you know, sitting in a room full of people talking about what it's really like. Um, and then I just didn't stop. <laughs> so, You've been fostering for 25 years? Yeah, it's just under 25 years. Yeah. And I'm almost done, I hope. How, I many, how many kids have you fostered? Do you know? I um, have a personal thing where I don't count them. I, um, I can name them all, but I won't take up much of our time. There's been dozens and dozens. Um, I, when I train foster parents, one of the things I always say is fostering cannot be about you. It has to be about the child. And when we talk about numbers, that's about the number of kids I had. That's about me. Mm -hmm. So I can tell you, I honestly don't know how many, but I do know it's been dozens and dozens. And the vast majority have been successfully reunited with their families. And that's wow. always, always the goal. Wow. I, yeah. I, I, that was a perfect answer. Thank you for, thank you for sharing. <laughs> um, you, the goal of fostering is to reunite with families. Absolutely. 100%. And you have seen that happen most times. Yes. Across the board, over 70% of children ultimately go home. Unfortunately, we were doing a bad job in Wisconsin, actually in Milwaukee County, not Wisconsin, Milwaukee County. So Milwaukee County is the only county in Wisconsin that does not oversee itself. We are overseen by the state because we still have not been able to meet all of the court conditions from 1999. Mm -hmm. So um, we... Are, the goal is always to go home and still over 70% of children go home. Now that might mean to a relative, uh, you know, not always to mom and dad, but it's with family. And that's always the goal. Um, it's hard because when I go in and train people, they look at me and clearly I've adopted a couple of kids. <laughs> and so I do always say that if kids can't go home, it's wonderful if you can open your home and adopt them because moving is so difficult for children. Right. So very, very detrimental to their soul, to their being, to who they are. So, um, you know, across the board versus the number of children I have fostered, I have not adopted most of them. Um, <laughs> but we do have, you know, unfortunately families coming in to the foster care system with the intent of adoption. And that's when things can get rough because then doing it, I'm doing it for me, not the children. Oh, and that the big thing with foster care is that we have to do this for the kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's where the focus is. And that, um, that's part of why I wanted to interview you, not necessarily because of that, because, uh, but because of who you are, Ian, <laughs> and, and just the, the, the clearly the generous heart that you have and like the way you just articulated it, this is about the kids. This isn't about me. Uh, just affirmed. Uh, <laughs> let's make it about me for a second. Affirm my decision to ask you to do this because <laughs> oh. uh, because I I know um, I know the generous heart you have and 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 the much much love that you give. But also I would guess a lot of sacrifice too, right? 
you know, I have a lot of people come in and say, or people who aren't in trainings, friends, acquaintances, I could never foster because I could never give them back. Mm. And I said, then you'd be the perfect foster parent because for me to love a child and have them go, I'm an adult. I know what I'm doing. I can rationalize. I can hurt. I can grieve. I can go through all of it and make it through. Um, The children don't get that. And when they're taken, this isn't by their choice. And there is never one single minute, one second of a child's life that they should not be loved. So if I hurt because I loved, then I'm glad because then I did it right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's times when kids have left where it's been less sad than others. There's some kids who are tough and that's, that's it. But that doesn't mean that I don't give them every bit of everything. And it's, it's not hard to do. It's, it's, it's kids come in and they make it happen naturally so often and they try to stop it. They very much try to stop it, but um, you know, knowing that what they need, knowing how much I love my kids, you know, I can't imagine them not getting that every day. If God forbid they go into foster care. Mm-hmm. When you reunite families, what are you, what is it that you're looking for to change in a family? Families need to be able to be stable, I guess is probably the easiest way, you know, love will be there, but so often um, foster care isn't something that just all of a sudden happens. Um, I met a mom years ago when I first started social work and I was going into her home because she was on the verge of losing her kids. She had been locking the kids in the closet when she went to work Mm -hmm. or in the house, not in the closet, in her house. And when I met her, I went in and I said, okay, tell me your best qualities. Tell me the best things about you. And she said, I'm a really good mom kind of took me aback. I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I'm here, right? In my head, you know, I thought, whatever, I'm 24, 25. Right. I said, well, talk to me about that. Tell me what you mean. And she said, when I was growing up, my mom would lock us in the closet. And I swore I would never do that because we had to use the bathroom in there. She would leave one sandwich. And I swore I would never do that to my kids. I had this epiphany of, wow, you are a phenomenal mom. And while we look at you and your kids are about to get taken because that was a really bad mistake, we can now, you know, hopefully I can help you find some resources, things that I know a lot about because I'm a social worker. Sorry, with Maya, sorry. Um, So she taught me that we can't go to try to return a child to a home that is perfect. My home isn't perfect. No one's home is perfect. And we have to look at work with the strengths that are in that home and make sure that there can be stability. So with the resources that are out there, we were able to keep those kids at home. We were able to help her find daycare. We were, you know, that she was able to receive with a big chunk of it paid for by the state. You know, we were able to do things. So when we're going to return kids, it's not to find that home that has it all together, that everything's perfect. Right, right. It's to find parents who are willing to work with someone and make the changes that might be necessary. And it's not always easy and it can take a long time. Um, that was an easier case, believe it or not, because there wasn't mental health, there wasn't addiction. And that so often is what's going on. So if parents can help, you know, make the changes, 
And they're able to do that a lot easier if they feel confident about where their kids are. Yeah. Sarah, can you come get Maya? Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. This is their life, right? (laughs) If kids, you know, if, if parents believe that their kids are safe, if I'm not a complete stranger, if they're safe, I want to meet them. I want to say, I'm here to take care of your kiddo for however long I need to. I'm not here to try to steal your kiddo. Right, right. If you can give that reassurance right off the bat, parents have a lot easier time getting the things together that were falling apart. Yeah. And if they're willing to and can do that, that's the house I want to return a kid to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the- story you shared made so much sense because you could you you understood this mother's like where she came from and what her example was and how you can kind of see the distance she needed to learn from or get to to be the mother that she needed to be but you also understand kind of where she is because of where she came from right right yeah this doesn't just start typically where all of a sudden I decide I'm going to hurt my kids or neglect my kids or do this it's You know, I always, one of the things that I've always said is every bad behavior is the result of an unmet need for all of us, for all of us. If I get a speeding ticket and I'm speeding, my unmet need is I need to be somewhere faster or whatever, you know, or I'm really hungry and I want to get to McDonald's, whatever (laughs) is going on, you know, every, every bad behavior is the result of an unmet need. And that's what the problems really result from our unmet needs of human beings in this world. Yeah. That, yeah, that's that's well said. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking about my own, <laughs> whenever I have my own needs. I mean, we can all do that. We all, yeah. we all make decisions, right? So and anyways, um, how I, I'm sure you can't talk about your foster kids, but can you tell me about the children? How many children have you adopted? And I mean, I know, but you want to share that? Sure. I've adopted eight children and the little guy I have now will be my ninth adoption. And I have told all the workers, um, three of them were here today for a meeting that he's my sunset baby. I'm going out with him. <laughs> I'm done. Um, I, uh, he's, he's three. He's delightful at 55. There's no way I'd adopt a three-year-old. He was supposed to come for one night. That was three years, two years ago, two years ago in a week. So um, it, uh, it's never my plan. It is always, always God's plan. And so uh, I, we, that's one of our, when we say our prayers, we always pray every morning on the way to school and we say, help us to do your will with willing hearts. So I always do it. I open myself up. <laughs> and, and he came for one night. And again, I was shown that it wasn't, but it, um, you know, he's, he's in a wheelchair. He's got, you know, cerebral palsy and a number of issues. So I can keep up with him. You know, he kind of goes at my pace. <laughs> um, and um, I've been told that he probably has about a 20 year life expectancy. Mm-hmm. So the kids and I have all talked um, quite a bit and we want to love him up and take him home, get him home. So yeah. it's, wow. yeah, yeah, he's our, he's our end. <laughs> he's yeah, the caboose. Yeah, I love that. Um, the age range is what to what? My oldest son, my biological son is 35 and three is hopefully the baby. My sixth grandchild will be born, uh, is scheduled to be uh, born on the 20th of September. So God bless you. <laughs> well, it's, it's cute when the kids, when my grandkids come over to see their baby uncle. <laughs> They're older than him. Four of them are older than him. So 
<laughs> they're older than their uncle. So and I love that. Fun. What a that's that that's a beautiful, beautiful uh, expression of family and love. Yeah. Um, I, okay, I want to start getting into your faith a little bit. So my second question is uh, to tell me about your faith, but remind me of the prayer that you just said. Oh, we have quite a prayer, but we always, um, part of it is uh, help us to do your will with willing hearts. Mm. We say that every day. Every day. Oh yeah, every day on the way to school. We use, it's gotten, we used to do the rosary. I have a CD of the rosary. So we did the rosary every day, but I had a couple of high school drop-offs. Once I lost the high school drop-offs and time got shorter, we went to the Divine Mercy Chaplet every day. <laughs> and then the pandemic hit and I wasn't driving every day. And then we were, so um, we have, now we do our prayer. And Malachi, the six-year-old, can, he'll, he'll be six this month. He's five. He can pretty much do it for you. And it's, it's from our heads. You know, we pray. Um, one of the big things, you know, there's a few things that are standard, you know, um, and that's keep us, um, you know, we pray and we do our everything, bless people and all that and keep us safe from harm, healthy and at peace always. That's a standard. Um, help us to do your will with willing hearts, Lord. That's a standard. Mm-hmm. And we end every, I'm kind of proud of our ending because amen. And then I say trust and the whole back of the car says God. Mm-hmm. I say I, they say I'm wonderful. Mm-hmm. I say I, they say I'm smart. I say I, they say, can do it. I say I, and they say, we'll do our best. So it's every day. How, how, did, you, how did you establish that? The trust God was um, one day, Megan and Sarah, who are now 19 and 20, yeah. we were coming home from kindergarten and we were in the car at a stoplight and I had a lot on my mind and I was, I hadn't said our usual, like, how was your day or anything, picking them up from kindergarten. And we were at a stoplight on 76th and Burley. I'll never forget it. And all of a sudden Megan yelled out, mom, trust God. And I was like, wow. <laughs> okay. And since that day, we end everything with trust God. And, um, it's just, it's, I, I didn't even realize I was so in my own head about things. And, uh, uh, there was, it was a lot going on with Sarah we were in a termination of parental rights mode and a lot of hard stuff going on. And I was in my head and she yelled that out, mom, trust God. (laughs) That's okay. Thanks God. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Sometimes he's real obvious like that. Not a lot of times he's not, but. Of course, yes, yes. God talks in a lot of different ways. Um, where, uh, where, where does your faith, I mean, you obviously have a strong faith. It's obvious to anyone that knows you. Where, where does that come from? I think um, I grew up in a very, you know, my parents, my mom is in, in heaven, I always say. My dad is still here. Mm-hmm. But they're very strong in their faith. Um, I meet my dad, you know, for mass regularly. And I get there as, it, you know, just before it starts. And he's already been there a half hour doing his rosary and his prayers. And, you know, I, I will go over there sometimes if I know he was like up north and I'll go clean his house or something. You know, he doesn't ask, but mm-hmm. I'll just do it. And, uh, and he's very meticulous. He's an army guy. So he makes his bed every day. You know, it's, but I like to dust it, you know, so. He has a list next to his bed, though, of his top prayer intentions, so he doesn't forget anybody. And the list, let me tell you, it's not—it's <laughs> extensive. Really? Wow. And yeah, he does his, you know. And so I came from a very strong. 
I knew faith was very important and I, it's always been a very comfortable thing. I've never grown up where it was a scary thing where it was fear God. I remember years ago, um, probably my first time in first grade, I was there twice, um, learning about purgatory and, um, being afraid and that naturally disappeared. I mean, it didn't, that's the only time I can ever really remember feeling afraid in my faith and since then it's come so far and I think for me a big a big and it wouldn't even be a change but uh what helped it grow when I was 26 I was in a pretty serious car accident Mm. and I had a traumatic brain injury I had to learn how to walk and talk again and all that kind of stuff and I my family gobbled me up and handled it. You know, I, they, it was wonderful. I don't remember much of it. They remember a lot of it. I have some memories of it, uh, not of the accident or anything, but for a long time around it. But um, I realized how blessed I am. I, one day I was being wheeled for a CAT scan or something and my brain still worked more than my body did. And as I was going down freighter, you turn to go to the elevator and up on the sign, I was on the brain injury unit, but the other way, if we would have went straight was the spinal cord injury unit. Mm-hmm. And I realized how blessed I was. I thought, oh my gosh, thank you, God. This mm-hmm. is so amazing that I'm not paralyzed, that I'm not. Right. There's so many things that could be worse. And um, I think that's just always been since then. I'm so blessed. (laughs) I'm so blessed. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many things that could have gone wrong or I could have not been helped by my family the way I was. I mean, I was in the hospital for months and then my little brothers, I remember them driving me because I didn't like the van. The van would pick me up first to take me to curative for therapy. And I was always scared in the van, you know, cause I, I didn't know the people and I was, you know, just post BI and uh, my little brothers, I remember driving me. And one time I got nervous and my brother, Andy just almost started crying because he's so caring. And I just thought, wow, I'm so lucky. I mean, I have all of these great people and we all are, we all real, we just, I'm so blessed. I can't say that enough. I, um, I, it's something that is a reoccurring theme right now that I keep hearing about. And it's the difference between like looking at your circumstances and like being frustrated with them or looking at your circumstances and being grateful. And the difference that that can do for your psyche and your soul is life-changing, right? Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely life-changing. It could be put me in a corner sometime, you know, anyone, all of us, we could be sitting in corners and, but if you realize and there's always someone out there. And that's probably my career too, knowing how many families do struggle, do suffer. And I always say in training, I don't know why I was born to the family I was born to. I don't know why I was so blessed. I was telling you, I was born to a very Walton-esque type family. My mom and dad were married forever. No one ever died. No one was ever sick. No one went to prison. I was very, it was really a lovely, lovely life. It still is. And I tell the kid, the people I train, you know, and that's why I want to give back because not everyone has had that. And for whatever reason, I was born to the mom and dad. I was, there's no rhyme or reason. I don't know why my other kids were born to the parents they were born to. 
And not that they're bad people, but the circumstances they were born into, you know, maybe born with drugs in their system, maybe born with a parent whose mental health is so bad that they're hurt, you know, things like Mm -hmm. this. So I feel like we have to sort of help each other, this, this whole world. That's, that's my biggest, I think, um, mantra or or not even it's get on my soapbox, but you know, if everybody helped one person, nobody'd need help. We'd all be good. We, if we could all give one person a hand up, there wouldn't be those people needing the hand up anymore. Right. I mean, there's enough of us that if one person, this is kind of corny, but I always say, you know, I say, if we could unite instead of focusing on our differences, focus on our similarities. I think that would be the greatest change our, our, our entire earth could handle. And I think when I think, how would that happen? I think like if a Martian ship came and I don't believe in Martians, but I'm just saying if like we got attacked from space by Martians, our world would unite mm-hmm. to handle that. We would come together. The Martian is Satan. The Martian isn't coming at one big swoop. He's coming in little digs here, little digs there. Yeah. And instead of uniting, he's succeeding and we're separating. And, and I'm really good at judging and I hate it. And we're judging each other and we're doing, you know, things that are pulling us apart right. versus bringing us together. Yeah, um, I'm really good at judging too. And I also hate it about myself, but I, I think another, another word for what you're saying is solidarity that we, uh, as Father, um, Father Greg Boyle says, we, we've, we have forgotten that we belong to one another. Oh, that's exactly it. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. I, Father Greg Boyle, I will be quoting him in the future. <laughs> I love that. I, I love that it's too. so true. Yeah, I, I love that too. And I think uh, the, the thing about the hand up that you were talking about is, and I talk about this sometimes with my students, I'll say, that 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 option that prefer that preferential option for the poor and vulnerable that we talk about as Catholics is a beautiful thing because we're going to help up help up the person who needs the help. But here's the beauty of that model: someday I'm going to be the poor. <laughs> you know, maybe not financially. Maybe you know who knows. I'll be poor in some way. And if I if we trust each other to always be there for whoever's struggling, the world would be perfect, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's the beauty of our differences as well. I mean, because there are the people who are wonderful at treating brain injuries. There are people who are, you know, wonderful. There, there, are, people at, who are, there are people who are wonderful at fostering. <laughs> Thank you. And yes, it's just the whole world, you know, I, I, that's what I try to tell my kids, you know, I think we're probably the most popular house on the block with our guys who pick up our garbage because Tommy runs water out to them. Now in the winter, it's not always, you know, because who needs it. But that's what I'm always telling my kids is we are, you know, this is, there's nobody who's better. There's nobody who's worse. And especially I want my kids to know that, you know, that's one of the things I love about St. Sebastian is coming into St. Sebastian we don't stand out as kind of the, oh, look at them. There's no dad. Um, oh, they don't match. Oh, you know. I mean, we've been at, I've been at a water park with my dear friend who fosters and adopt who I trained with. And we were there and a man came up and he was very, very genuine. And he said, excuse me. And he put his hand on my back. He said, are you a church group? And I said, no, we're moms. Wow. <laughs> you know, and so 
I, and it wasn't, it wasn't, but it's my kids, we stand out and we know it. And um, I, I always tell them it's a good thing. That's not, we don't have to hide from it. We don't have to yeah. be ashamed of it, but there are places where it's not as accepted. Yeah. There's, you know, I, I love St. Sebastian for its diversity. And I don't just mean shades of skin. I mean, you know, and I don't even just mean socioeconomics. I'm talking about kids who are different, you know, St. Coletta. That's the reason my kids are there. Maya was in a play at St. Coletta her first year there. And I went to go see it with the students. And I thought, oh boy, <laughs> what are these kiddos who are at St. Seb's going to be like? They were so wonderful to these St. Coletta kiddos. And Maya was an angel. The kids wrote notes to the kids at St. Sebastian. And two of them said, the angel was my favorite part. <laughs> well, she had a sign on her that we put over her head that said act one. And she'd go from one chair, walk across the stage to the other chair where there were Skittles. She didn't know what was going on other than she wanted more Skittles. But when I saw that, it just thought, oh, this place is special. Yeah, This place yeah. is really special. I'm so glad you brought up St. Coletta because uh, it's uh, a, such a special part of the community. And you're, you're right. Uh, there's, it's just a lot of a lot, lot to be grateful for with our community. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to, I know you're busy and I know, I literally know before we st started taping, you were taking dinner out of the oven. So <laughs> no, it's okay. I did it early on purpose. <laughs> I have to take the baby to therapy. So that's mainly why I did it because we're going to leave. <laughs> but I want to respect your time. But I was thinking of all the questions I wanted to ask you and I think we've touched on them. I always, I always ask at the end about what you hope for. And I think you articulated that so well with, um, the, your your dream about all of us helping each other uh, and 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 let that be a challenge to all of us to continue to do that because that's that's a beautiful vision for our world and our and our um, faith and our in our parish. I think. I mean, it's my goal. It's my hope. It's my prayer. I mean, we we pray a lot. We pray a lot. We pray. Um, I, we, it's, it's like a constant ongoing conversation with God. I teach the kids, you know, I pray all the time when Tommy's up at bat and baseball, uh, you know, I'll yell, ask for help. And one of the moms said, what are you talking about? It's a little like, not, oh no, the Holy spirit always, you know, we pray before every game, before every meal, before every anything we get up in the morning, we say, thank you. We drive to school. We pray. I mean, and, and that is uh, part of our prayer, you know, part of my prayer, especially is help our world, God, help us, you know, to get to that place where we all want to help each other. Hey, I've never done this before. And I promised you, I wouldn't, um, uh, throw you a curveball, but I, I, I'm just, <laughs> being, I'm feeling like this is the right thing to do. Uh, let's, let's say a prayer to end this interview. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> so are you saying you're going to do it or I'm going to do it? Well, I, I will do it, but I was wondering if you would be willing to do it. Well, I mean, sure. I, I guess, you know, God doesn't, he won't say I'm screwing up, right? No, he won't. No, <laughs> if you're okay with it, I'd love, I'd love for you to pray. Yeah, um, I will. So I'll do it the way that we start off just with my kids. You know, we, and I won't make you echo me. That's how we do it in the cars. I say, dear Jesus, they say it. So you don't have to echo me, John, unless you want to. I, I don't know if I know all my lines, but I'll, I'll, I'll. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could get Tommy in here. I'll get him at the end. Tommy, come here. I want you at the end. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. So I will just say, you know, dear Lord, thank you 
We start with thanks. Thank you so much for the beautiful sun today. Thank you for the opportunity to have this interview with John Metz. Thank you for him taking the time out of his life to do this with so many of our wonderful parishioners. Thank you for our parish, God. Thank you so much for all the, the people there who make it feel like home. Um, I would ask, Lord, that you continue to bless all of us, that you keep all of us safe from harm, healthy and at peace always. And that you please help us to do your will with willing hearts. Uh, bless all of those that we care about. And um, please help us to be blessings to others. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Anna. Trust. All right, wait, we got time. Trust. God. Get louder. God. I. I'm smart. I. I'm wonderful. I. Can do it. I. Can do it. Awesome. Awesome. That's what we do every day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, it's it's awesome i love it i love that you shared it um and thank you so much and continued blessings on uh your family uh your ministry your work and your spirits uh thank you oh, so thank much. you thank you john thank you